right. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Hey, is anybody excited to be in the house today? Come on, let's make some noise for Jesus. Hmm. Listen, it's great to be here. My name is Steve Husky. I'm the lead pastor, and man, it's a privilege to have all of our faith family in the house. And man, can we love on some Lawrenceburg people, man? It's good to have them as well. All of our VIPs and guests and anybody watching online, man, it's a privilege to have you. We say it every week because we believe it that Jesus, come on, he's the hope of the world. Whatever you're going through, whatever your challenge, your issue, your struggle, come on, give Jesus a chance in your life. It'll be the best thing that you've ever done. Come on, how many people know that's true? Come on. Come on, let's make some noise for him. Well, listen, we're starting a brand new series today entitled Eyes to See, and it's a pivotal series that I believe God's given me. Uh, every year we start a series that kind of marks what we're going to do, what we're going to experience, what we're expecting to see in the new year. And this is something God's laid on my heart. So I just want to encourage you, man, to make sure you come every week expectant. If you're new here, we teach in series, which means that we'll take a topic and typically we'll talk about that topic for about four weeks, sometimes three, sometimes five. But this is a four-week series. And the goal today is just to lay a foundation so you're not going to get all there is to get. So if you leave like, well, he, he didn't say anything about that. It's coming. Just come back. I just want to lay a great foundation for what God wants to do. So, Father, I'm thankful, God, for the way you're going to speak in this house. I pray in Jesus' name. God, open eyes to see. God, in a fresh way. Father, I'm thankful for what you're going to do, not just in this series, but, Father, through this series, in this house and in our lives in 2020. In Jesus' name. And everybody who's expecting a great 2020 said amen. amen. So I don't know about you, but the elementary school I came up in, I don't know if they've ever done this here in Alabama, or maybe they still do this in elementary schools, but... In Ohio, when I was a kid, the elementary school would, throughout the year, periodically do different kind of medical tests, like little things, evaluations to see, make sure everybody was okay. For example, they would do, uh, they would check kids' spines to make sure there was no scoliosis. Anybody remember that? And then periodically, they would do hearing tests. They would hook you up, and you know, you'd have to figure out what side it was on, and if you could hear it. Well, I remember uh, probably the test that stands out the most to me was when I was a kid, probably second or third grade, I remember getting a vision test. Now, the reason it stands out to me is the way the vision test was taken and the results of the vision test. So the way it was taken was you would walk up and there was a machine. It wasn't kind of the standard eye chart. Basically, you would look down into this machine where it would kind of capture both of your eyes and, and then they would set a scenery, set a picture in what you were looking at. And at that time, it was a bird's eye view of like a picnic scene. And then they would take a red apple and they would stick it somewhere in the scene and you would have to tell them, where's the apple? Well, I remember, man, I was excited. It was my turn. I had great eyesight. So I stepped up confident like I got this. I don't know about that math test, but I'm about to kill this eye test. And looked down in the machine and the guy asked me or girl, I don't remember a guy or a girl, but stuck the apple in and they said, okay, where's, where's the apple? in the picture. And so I looked and the apple was right where I told him it was. I said, well, it's half on a plate and it's half on the picnic table. And the, the person's like, well, you sure look again. So I looked and I was like, well, yeah, it's, it's right. It's like right in the middle. It's sitting half on a plate and half on the picnic table. And uh, it was crazy because right after I said that, and it, we could have split hairs. It might've been like 70, 30, but I settled at 50, 50. And uh, right after I said it's half on the plate and half on the picnic table, the person wrote a little note, folded it up, and gave it to me and said, you need to give this to your parents. And so I took it home, and sure enough, they were saying that maybe something was wrong with my eyes. And so I had to go get my first official eye exam. And I went there, and the good news is I passed with flying colors, which means I was right. 
the apple is half on the plate and half on the table, and that's the person who failed the test, not me. But so eventually, you know, I did end up having to get contacts when I don't know, maybe 10 years later, I wear them now. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm nearsighted, which means I can see things near. Well, that, even that's getting sketchy. Come on, some of you 45 plus know what I'm talking about, but I can't see things far away without contacts. How many of you in this room, you have some kind of corrective eyewear, nearsighted, farsighted, stigmatism, something? How many of you are, have 20-20 vision? You have no, look at you. Oh, you celebrating. Go ahead, girl. Celebrate that 20-20 while you got it. Well, go ahead. If you're taking notes, here's where we're going to go through this series. Did you know that your eyes can be fine, but you can still be blind? Your eyes can be fine, but you can still be blind. The eye is, is absolutely incredible. Of all of God's creation, there's so many, many marvels, but the eye is exceptional. It has over 2 million parts to the eye. Not only 2 million parts, but um, if it was a digital camera, your eye is 576 uh, megapixels. And you have two of them. It has the capacity to see and differentiate and distinguish up to 10 million different colors. I mean, so the eye is, is absolutely incredible for all it can do, for all it can see. It truly is a miracle. However, there are some limitations to the human eye. For as fabulous and wonderful as it is, again, I, I didn't say this, but I mean, imagine this. God even gave it its own cleaning system. Like you have unlimited washer fluid. And at any time you want, you just blink and it just cleans those babies off. We blink on average 4 million times a year. If you find someone blinking an exceptional amount, they're lying. That's how you know it. Don't trust them. They ain't got nothing in their eye. They're lying to you. That's how you know. 4 million times cleaning the eye. But again, for as incredible as it is, it has limitations. For example, we, have, we can only see at a limited distance. We can't see forever. We can only see so far. We have limited focus. There are things that exist you know, um, things on a micro level, but we don't have the capacity to see them with the naked and natural eye. We have limited, uh, we have limited width, like we have limited, like from side to side, like we have blind spots. The average person can see about 120 degrees. Right now I can see both my left and right hand, but if you go to 180 or behind, right, we have a limited field of vision. And one of the things we also have is if we just have a, a limited just depth, we can only see so much. There's a lot more that exists that our eyes can't show us. In fact, some of you maybe have seen this picture before. It's in a lot of science books. Um, and what it does is it shows us the depth of the field of vision that the natural eye, the human eye, can see. That we can only see a certain bandwidth of wavelengths of color. We can only see what we see in the rainbow. And as those colors crash through the particles and spread out, we can see the different 10 million different versions of it. But at the end of the day, that's all we can see. However, what we can see is we can't see microwaves, we can't see gamma rays, we can't see x-rays, we can't see ultraviolet. So there are all these different things that do exist. However, as incredible as the human eye is, there are some things it just can't see. And here's what we're going to talk about through the series is there's more to see than the physical eye can perceive. There's a whole nother range that the physical eye can never see. I'm telling you, not just the physical, there is a spiritual realm where there's a God who exists, who's bigger than all of our troubles, who's great in his glory, and he's there, and God wants to open our eyes to see him. In fact, that's one of the reasons Jesus came. We oftentimes, when we talk about Jesus, we limit his work in our lives just to saving us and forgiving us of our sin, and there's so much greater depth, and there's so much greater reality, and there's so much greater function to what Jesus came to do in all of our lives. And one of the things that he came to do is to open our eyes. 
In fact, if you have your Bible, in Luke chapter 4, there's a section of Scripture, and it's Jesus, as he reads this section, as recorded in the Gospel of Luke, it's basically, he's at church, it's, it's Saturday, it's the Sabbath for Jews, he's at the temple, and as was the, uh, as was the tradition of that time, every time they would gather, different teachers would pick up, not the Bible, but they had the Bible, the books of the Bible, on scrolls. And they would pick up a scroll and they would read from a specific passage of scripture. Well, Jesus being a teacher, it's his turn to teach. And so he picks up the scroll of Isaiah and he begins to read. What's incredible is the section of scripture he reads. Because the section of scripture he reads is found out of Isaiah 60, uh, out of Isaiah 65. And it's a declaration of what the Messiah would be like when he comes of who he was and specifically what he would do. And as Jesus reads this section of scripture to start his ministry, what he's doing is he's saying, that's me, the Messiah to come, the Savior to come, the Rescuer to come. He's saying, I'm the one fulfilling it. But what I want you to see is the exact section of scripture that he read. Check this out, Luke chapter 4. He said this, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. So think about all of these incredible things that Jesus says he's going to do now that he's here, now that the Messiah's come. He's saying, man, I'm going to bind up broken hearts. I'm going to set at liberty those who are captive. I'm going to open blind eyes. And all of these are incredible promises. We made a deal last, last week. Everybody, you're going to make some noise, right? Y'all forgot your side of the deal. Those are great promises. The question is, and some of the debate is this, is that when Jesus was making these promises of what he would do, was he saying these are physical things he would do, or was he saying these are spiritual things that he would do? For example, when he says that he came to preach the gospel to the poor, was he preaching physically he was going to do something to make us rich, or was he saying something spiritually to make us rich? And the answer is this, it wasn't either or, it was and both. Jesus came and in these declarations of who he was and what he would do, he wasn't saying I'm either going to do it physically or spiritually, he's saying I'm going to do it both. I'm going to do it physically and spiritually, which means when Jesus came to preach the gospel to the poor, I don't know about you, but I thought I was a good person, but I was really, I was spiritually bankrupt, I had a deficit in my my righteous bank account, and Jesus came and the Bible says, Paul says, that Jesus became poor that I might become rich. He took what was in his bank account and put it in my bank account, and now I am right righteous because of him and so are you. So Jesus came to preach good news to spiritually poor people. But I believe the physical is true as well. That Jesus also came in order to bless and prosper his kids. Now I'm not saying everybody's going to be filthy rich, but what I'm saying is that you have an unfair advantage because God's on your side. It's not just your resume and your education and how smart or good looking you are. God favors his kids. God blesses his children. God makes our path straight. Come on, God prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemy. Come on, we have favor and God preaches the gospel to the poor. Think about the other one. He says he came to set at liberty those who are captive. Is that physical or spiritual? It's not either or, it's and both. We find as Jesus ministered, oftentimes he ministered to people who were bound up spiritually by demons. And Jesus, when he would encounter them, he would cast demons out and people who were captive would go free. Some of you have experienced something like that. Maybe it wasn't demonic, maybe it was. 
But some of us in this room, we had struggles and strongholds and addictions and habits. There was a time we said, we'll never change. We can't change. It's always going to be this way. But how many people are thankful that God made a way in your life? God set at liberty those who are captive. Come on, I want you to know something. The devil hadn't made a lock for your life that God already hadn't created the key for. Come on, listen, there's already a way out when you go into it because Jesus came to set at liberty those who are captive. But he doesn't just do it spiritually. He does it physically. Come on, some of us in this room, we have been in physical circumstances, in life, in business, in careers, in challenges, and God made a path in those circumstances to set us free. Come on, does anybody know that's true? But here's a section I want you to see. Is Jesus says, and the prophecy was that when the Messiah comes, that he would open the eyes of the blind. Question, is that physical or spiritual? It's both. It's not either or, it's both and. It's obviously physical because one of the most prolific miracles that Jesus performed was opening the eyes of blind people. While Jesus did it and accomplished an entire spectrum of miracles that you see recorded in the Gospels, he caused the lame to walk, the deaf to hear, the blind to see. I mean, all kinds. He raised the dead. There's all kinds of miracles recorded. In fact, there are groups of people that often come to Jesus, and the Bible records, the narrative in the Gospels say this, that all of them went away healed. However, when you look at the very specific miracles that are recorded, and sometimes even by people's name that receive the miracle, most often those miracles are blind people receiving sight. So I'm just here to tell you, when Jesus said, I've come to open the eyes of the blind, some of the eyes he came to open are people who are physically blind that can't see. But that's not all he came to do. Jesus came to open spiritually blind eyes, which means there's a level of seeing that we can't see on our own unless he touches us and opens up our eyes to see in a realm we can't see on our own. Come on. There's more to see than your natural eyes can show you. And that's why Jesus came. In fact, the apostle Paul, in in talking about how people come to Christ, right? Think about this. Some of us in this room, maybe we have friends or we have neighbors Maybe you're married to somebody and you've been praying like for their salvation, like God, you know, and and you're praying and you're interceding and now you're wondering like, God, why aren't they saved? Like, why don't they just say yes to Jesus? Why don't, why don't they just bow a knee? Why don't my son, why don't my daughter, man, why don't they, why don't they follow Christ? Why don't they serve God the way we do? And Paul, he gives the answer. Listen to what he says. The reason some people don't serve God, the reason some people aren't Christ followers is not because they're bad people and not because they're broken people. It's because they're blind people. Listen to what he says, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. Paul says, Satan, who is the God of this world. Now, he's not large and on charge. God is God over everything. But how many people know, man, the enemy has a stronghold on this world. That's why it's as jacked up as it is. Some of you don't know. Your eyes are going to, be, your eyes are going to see in this series. He says this, Satan, who is the God of this world, has, come on, read it with me, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. Come on, keep reading. And they are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. Why aren't people saved? Why don't more people follow? Because they are spiritually blinded. It's not because they have physical eye problems. It's because they have spiritual eye problems. In fact, the apostle Paul, when he started his ministry, The Apostle Paul was one of the first most prolific preachers of the gospel. He established all kinds of churches around the Mediterranean, around that area, around Jerusalem, Israel, uh, after the time of Jesus, after his death and resurrection. And he didn't just go out as an apostle. He went out as an optometrist. In fact, listen listen to what God says. This is what God declares over the Apostle Paul. He says, and I will rescue you from both your own people and the Gentiles. Yes, I'm sending you to the Gentiles. Come on, read it with me, to 
open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. I just want you all to know my function here as your pastor over the next four weeks is not just to preach to you. I came to be your optometrist, to be your ophthalmologist, that God would open your eyes, that we would see who he is, that we would see who we are, that we would see there's a real enemy. Come on, everybody say, Lord, open my eyes. That ought to be a prayer of ours throughout this series. God, open my eyes. Give me eyes to see. Give me eyes to see. Give me eyes to see. There is more than, we can, than our physical eyes can show us. And that's why Jesus came to open it, to see who he is, to see who we are, and to see what the enemy's up to. And, uh, and if you're taking notes, listen to this. When your spiritual eyes are open, you say, how do I know? When your spiritual eyes are open, the first thing you'll see is your sin and Jesus as your Savior. Like when you start to see, what well, you say, well, how will I know it? The way you'll know you're starting to see spiritually, beyond what your physical eyes can show you, the first thing you'll see is that you're a sinner and that Jesus is the Savior. Come on. I mean, I don't know about you, but I came up for a long time as a kid and, and as, a, as a teenager and adolescent believing I was a pretty good person. Come on. I mean, in that, all of us, we believe we're good, and here's how we qualify we're good. I mean, I've never murdered anybody. Isn't that crazy? That's our standard. I mean, I've never robbed a bank or killed anybody in my whole life. Therefore, we're good. And if you would have asked me any time, if you would have caught me and said, Steve, are you a good person? I'd have said yes. I, always, I didn't always try hard in school, but I always got good grades. Always had some kind of job with money in my pocket. I didn't earn all the money I had, but most of it. Come on. And if you'd ask me, are you a good person? Yeah. But I hurt people and I made all kinds of bad decisions and I made all kinds of immoral decisions, but I could never see it with my physical eyes in the moment until March 19, 1989. I heard the gospel preach and God opened my eyes and I could see for the first time that I was a moral and spiritually bankrupt person that needed a savior. And for the first time, I was able to see who Jesus was, that he wasn't just a person on the pages of scripture, but he was my savior. He was my Messiah. He was my deliverer. He was my, come on somebody. He was my rescuer. He was the one who forgave me. That's the first way you begin to see in the spirit is I start to see I'm a sinner in desperate need of a savior and Jesus is that savior. But the crazy thing is that's not all there is to see. Some of you have begun to see that and you think, well, that's it. I need Jesus and he's my savior. I'm t there's more. There's more you need to see. In fact, when, uh, when Jesus is having conversations with his disciples, you find that eventually they come to this conclusion. They reach the place having spent time with Jesus, listening to his teaching, watching his miracles, seeing how he performed and what he did, they came ultimately to the conclusion that he wasn't just a Messiah or he wasn't just a rabbi, but he was the Messiah. He wasn't just another teacher. He was the Savior. And they come to this conclusion. Their eyes are open that Jesus, he's it. He is, he is the Isaiah fulfillment. In fact, Jesus is having a conversation at one point with his disciples and he asks him this question. He wants to take a pulse of what's his standing in the community? Like, what are people saying about him? And so he asks his disciples, who do men say that I am? Like, what's the word on the street? What's the word on the boulevard? And the disciples begin to give him feedback. They open up their Twitter feeds, begin to read stuff off. And people are saying, hey, some people say you're a teacher. Some people say you're this. Some people even say you're Elijah. Come back from the dead. And Jesus asks him this question. He asks his disciples, yeah, that's, that's all good, but who do you say that I am? And Peter's answer is profound. Peter says, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. 
Now, I'm just telling you, his physical eyes didn't show him that. The reason we know it is because Jesus responds to that declaration by saying, come on, listen, flesh and blood hadn't revealed that to you, but the Spirit of God has shown you that, which means your capillaries and your cones and everything, your cornea can't show you some things you need to see. Only spiritually open eyes can see who God is and what God can do. God, open our eyes to see. But even though they figure this out, like they, they take the leap. They take the step. They figure out who Jesus is. But still throughout the ministry and their time with Jesus, they still struggle to see. In fact, Jesus says this at one time to his disciples, not only to his disciples. He's pretty harsh to several people. But specifically in this recording, he says this to his own disciples who now know that he's the Messiah and the Savior. He says this, don't you know or understand even yet? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? Watch this. He says, you have eyes. Can't you see? You have ears. Can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? Again, he's not talking about these ears. He's not talking about these eyes. He's saying there is something that we can hear beyond the audio capacity of our ears, and there is something our eyes can see beyond what our physical eyes can show us, but we need to open up our eyes so God can show us who he is, who we are, and what the enemy's up to. God, give me eyes to see. I want to keep on seeing. I want to see in 2020 what God has for me, what God has in store for this house. Some of you in this place, you need to figure out what your next step is, what your next direction is, what your next career path move is, what your next school is. Come on, some of us in this room, if we're going to go where God wants us to go, he needs to open our eyes so we can see the path. God, open my eyes. Come on, somebody. But here's the issue. Is I think we don't have a prayer problem, we have a perception problem. Like, if I can be honest enough and stand up here and say that I'm a person of prayer, I, I pray a lot. I've got a lot, of, a lot to pray for. I'll tell you this, and I say this honestly to be an encouragement to you. Anytime I ever get a message on Facebook and I say I'm praying, that means literally right that moment I've stopped and prayed for you. Now, I didn't pray for two hours, so don't get up. So don't be like, you know, he went in deep intercession. But I promise you, I took a minute and I lifted your name up in your situation to the Lord. But I'm just here to tell you, I don't pray enough. How many people in this room would say they don't pray enough? Man, all of you. What are y'all doing with all your time? I thought it would get like four or five. Come on, y'all need Jesus. What's up? 2020, we're going to pray more. But come on, let's be honest. The issue, I don't think, is our prayer life. While there's room for more and room for improvement, let's be honest, man. A lot of times we're praying prolific prayers when things go sideways. God, help me. Lord, give me a job. Help me pay my bills. God, help me get through this doctor's appointment. God, help me get through this struggle with my kid. Come on, when things go sideways, we start praying all kinds of prayers. The issue is we don't have a prayer problem. We have a perception problem, which means right after we pray, we go right back to worry, wondering, is anything going to change? You know why? Because we don't see in the spirit that right when we prayed, God loosed his angels on our behalf, that God started moving, that he's fighting the battle. Come on, we need to begin to see what God is doing when we pray. We'll stop worrying and we'll start having confidence. Come on, when you begin to see your confidence will go to another level, your faith will go to another level, your hope will go to another level. Come on, my peace doesn't come from what's in the newspaper. My peace comes from the promises of God when we see who he is. Come on, Lord, I want to see you. Come on, by say, open my eyes. God, open our eyes. Give us eyes to see. I found something really kind of crazy and just, again, just kind of looking at eyes and stuff. And for sure, I think this is, this is for sure true for me. We learn all kinds of different ways and We have obviously different senses, but did you know 80%, 80% of what you learn and 80% of what you remember is based on eyesight. 
80% of what you learn and 80% of what you remember is based on eyesight. Here's the problem with that. If the only thing you use to remember and learn is your physical eyes, you'll make bad decisions. We're learning with the wrong lens. See, if all we see are physical eyes, then we're going to make, because that's how we make decisions. We make our decisions daily by based on what we've learned and what we've remembered in the past. If I do this, I get this, right? And so I'm just telling you, if we're going to make better decisions, we need more information. And the only way you're going to get more information is to have more perception. And that can only come from God opening our eyes to see. Come on, somebody. God, I want to learn more. I want to know more. I want to see more. God, give me revelation. Give me discernment to know what you're up to and to know what you're doing. Mark chapter 8 is one of the miracles recorded specifically where Jesus heals a blind man. And it's one of these miracles that it it leaves some questions that I want to at least try to answer a little bit today and hopefully will help us move the ball in understanding God opening our eyes. In Mark chapter 8, here's the story. Jesus and his disciples, Jesus was an itinerant preacher, which means he was never stationary. He would move from city to city and region to region. And it says, when they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus, and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. Just note, every one of us in this room, we need friends that will take us to Jesus when we're in trouble. Come on, listen, you need, to, you need to be able to go to somebody. Listen, some people, some people will tell you some foolishness, and some people will drag you down, and some people will try to rob you of even more joy. Every one of us, we need a friend in our life. When we go to them, they're praying for us. They're encouraged. We need somebody shooting us scriptures through text message. Come on, we need somebody who will take us to Jesus. And so, thankfully, even though this guy is blind, he's got some friends around him, and he hears, obviously, they hear the testimony of Jesus, and so they take their blind friend to Jesus, and it says this. It says, again, it says, then Jesus took the blind man. Here's the handoff. Here's the baton handoff. Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Isn't that interesting? Why doesn't Jesus just do the miracle there? I think sometimes we need a kind of a fresh set of circumstances in order for God to do what he wants us to do in our life, right? Like sometimes things are so familiar and comfortable, we can't really experience God. And so he takes him out of everything that's familiar, out of the village, and then here's what happens. It says, then spitting on the man's eyes. How bad do you want to be healed? (laughs) I mean, think about it. I mean, like, some of us will never experience what God has for us because we put God in a box and say, God, if you're going to move, you can only move this way. It can only feel like this. Um, Did you know, God, one of the greatest things God will use in your life are trials and tribulations, the things we fight the most to get out of. God's fighting to get some of you in them because that's the only way your eyes are going to see. This guy, listen, Jesus spits on his eyes, which just begs the question, like, what what was that like? Like, did did he have to work one up? Like, that's a lot of spit. Did the guy know it was happening? Like, did Jesus warn him at all? Because this isn't the first time it's recorded in another place. Jesus spits in dirt and makes little uh, mud pies. Listen, next time your kids are out playing, making mud pies, don't get on them. They're being like Jesus. What would Jesus do? Can you imagine this guy's just standing there? All of a sudden, he feels like something warm and moist on his eyes. He's like, "That's, that's so soothing. Jesus, what is that? I wonder if Jesus told him. (laughs) Or like we only got the details later after it happened. Jesus spits on this guy's eyes. Watch this. Then Jesus spitting on the man's eyes, he laid hands on him and asked, can you see anything now? The man looked around. Again, he was completely blind. Now, after Jesus touches him, puts spit on his eyes and prays for him, the man looked around. Yes, he said, I can see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. 
Now, I'm just here to tell you, if currently when you look at me, you see a tree and not a person, you need to get off the road quick and Uber it, baby. <laughs> so this guy, like, he experiences something because he was completely blind, and now he can kind of see the outlines of people. I don't know if that's a man or a tree. I can kind of see something. And then watch, it keeps going. And maybe you've read this before, and you're like, what's, what's, is Jesus having an off day? Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes. Come on, read that next word again. And his eyes were open, his sight was completely restored, and he could see everything clearly. Now, listen, what's going on here? Like, did Jesus pray the wrong prayer? Oh, wait, that's not the one I meant to pray. Was he having an off day? Like, why did Jesus, perfect, God in flesh, healer, deliverer, why did he have to pray for this man and lay hands on his eyes? twice because you don't see it on the surface you got to just dig a little bit deeper and if you'll get into the original language what you'll find is that first Jesus spit and touched his eyes and then Jesus prayed for his eyes again the eyes used first and the eyes used second is a different Greek word the first word is the word oma which means your physical eyeball the second word that he prayed for was his vision which means the variance between his vision wasn't physical, it was spiritual. There was something keeping him from seeing. There was something making him blind, which Jesus dealt with at first. But the man looked up and still couldn't see why. Here's why, because his struggle wasn't just that he couldn't see, it's that he couldn't see that there was a possibility to see. He thought it's never going to happen, therefore I can't see. And Jesus had to do something to his spiritual eyes to see that there was a God big enough to heal his blind eyes. Listen, God opened my eyes to see. The Bible says that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we're able to ask or think, which means God's bigger than your box, bigger than your religious training, bigger than your denominational experience. God isn't set in your circumstances. He's outside of them, which means, God, you can do anything, anywhere, at any time for anybody, but God, I got to see it to experience it. God, open my eyes. Come on, somebody. Open my eyes to see. Imagine what you're going to see. Imagine what you're going to see in 2020 if God opens your eyes. Like, there's a whole spiritual realm. Some of the things that we're going through and struggling with has nothing to do with the person we're married to. I know you think it's just them, or your husband has a bad attitude, or, or your wife has issues, and that might be the case, but I want you to know some of the struggle all of us are facing that we don't see because we're only looking for phys with physical eyes is that there's a real spiritual uh, enemy. There's a real devil trying to mess up your marriage, trying to rob you of what God put you in. Remember, you said, I do, because you love them. The only thing that's changed is you're in spiritual warfare, but sometimes we can't see it, so we're fighting the person instead of the enemy. God, open my eyes to see. Some of you, your workplace, listen to me, it's not your boss, it's not your employer, and it's not your employees. There might be have some issues, but the real challenge that's robbing you from prospering and being successful, and the real thing that's holding you back from experiencing peace is not the people you work around, but the devil who showed up, who's real. There are real spiritual enemies that come to rob us, but some of us don't see it, so we're praying the wrong way, and we're fighting the wrong direction. God, open my eyes to see some of us are kids. Some of you got kids off the rails who are living sideways and like you're praying like, God, what's wrong with them? They got a bad attitude. And, and part of it is just, you know, teenagers and adolescents trying to fight for their independence. Some of it is you spoiled them and now you got what you deserve. Oh, I done said that out loud. 
Listen, some of it is it's a real spiritual battle. Some of you need to stop letting your kids sleep in on Sunday morning. Will they fight me? No, it's not them fighting you. It's the devil fighting the salvation that God has for you. You need to be the one to stand your ground and say, no, as long as you live under this roof, you're going to be in the church. Listen, come on. You got to get out of bed and you're coming with me. Some of you say, well, they'll get mad and leave. What's going to happen? They're not going to go to church. They're not going to church anyways. I thought I'd get a little more than that. Listen, your coach tells them when to be on the field. They tell them when to be at practice. Everybody else got a say in their life. Parents, listen, you need to have a say. And the number one thing they need to learn is that Jesus is the Savior of their life. But we'll never fight that fight. As long as we're looking at our kids and looking at our marriage and looking at our finances with natural eyes. God, open my eyes to see. Don't just open my eyes to see what the enemy's up to. God, open my eyes to see. God, what you're up to. That sometimes when I'm fighting, I feel like I'm fighting alone. But God, your word declares that you're with me. You're going before me. You're coming behind me. You're my shield and you're my rear guard. God, help me to see it. God, help me to see it. God, help me to see your glory of God the same way Moses seen your glory. God, help people around me who's looking at me, God, to see that you're in the fire with me. God, I'm not in this thing alone. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, God, I'm not in this thing alone. God, you are with me. God, open my eyes to see. God, open my eyes to see what you're doing on my behalf. That God, I'll know how to follow you. God, I'll know what you're up to. God, I'll know how to pray. God, open my eyes to see. Come on, somebody. God, open my eyes to see. So there's a, there's a prayer that the Apostle Paul prays that I want to close with today. And I want you to know I've, been, I've read through this and read through I've read through this verse literally through about 20 different translations. And I've been praying it. I've been praying it for this series. I, I do my preaching calendar about a year out. And so as I get closer and closer and closer to a series, I spend more time praying and studying on that specific series. And so, like, I have been hot on this series for probably about six, eight weeks. And I've been praying this and praying this, praying this for me, and I'm praying it for you. I'm praying it for our church in 2020. God will open your eyes. There's more struggle, more behind the struggle than what you can see. And there's more success than what you can see. You'll never get it with your physical eyes. Lord, open my eyes. And so the Apostle Paul, he prays for the church that God will open their eyes. And this is what he says. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 19. He says, I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all Christians. So I want you to notice he's, he's talking about a group of Christians. So these are people who've already seen their sin, and they've already seen their Savior. But Paul starts to pray that they'll see more. He says, I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and the love for Christians. Since then, I've always give thanks for you and pray for you. And here's what he prays. Listen to this. He says, I pray that the great God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ may give you the wisdom of his Spirit. Then you'll be able to understand the secrets about him and know him better. Come on, isn't that good? He says this, he says, I pray that your hearts will be able to understand. I pray that you'll be able to know what the hope given by God's call. I pray that you will see how great the things are that he has promised to those who belong to him. I pray that you will know how great his power is for those who put their trust in him. Come on, isn't that great? God, oh, Lord, I, I got some of it, but God, help me. I, I want to understand you more. I want to know you better. I want to discern your power working in my life at a deeper level. God, I, give me revelation. Give me understanding. Lord, open my eyes to see. How many of you in this room, you say, man, that's your prayer, God. I need you to open my eyes in 2020. I need 2020 in 2020. Come on, I need 2020 in 2020. Father, I pray for every person in this room, including myself. 
Father, we come to admit that, God, there is in all of us a level of blindness. We have blind spots. Father, places we don't see or discern what you're doing. God, places we don't understand what the enemy's up to. Father, we have areas in our life where we're blind. We just don't see you. And so, Father, I pray over this house in Jesus' name that, God, you will open our eyes to see. Give us eyes to see. You came and you were anointed to open the eyes of the blind. Do it in us. So I pray for this house. I pray for this group of people. Father, open our eyes to see. Give us spiritual insight, discernment, perception in our home, our family, our finances, in decisions we make, in our career path as we follow you. Lord, open our eyes to see who you are, who we are, and what the enemy's up to. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agrees said amen. Come on, is anybody thankful for the word? Come on, man, let's honor the Lord. Hey, listen, we, we do these every year. I've been doing them since for eight years now. And uh, these, just these bracelets are out there. I would encourage you, grab one. Take one for your kid. We have, we have large and we have small. So if you have a small wrist, we have a different size. And here's what I would ask you to do. This is what I would ask. Is everybody grab one and at least wear it for the next four weeks during this series. It says on it, 2020 on one side and eyes to see on the back. It should just be a reminder every day that it should be your prayer. God, give me eyes to see. God, give me. At the end of, at the end of uh, four weeks, you can chuck it or whatever. Some people will wear it for all year. Some people wear it multiple years. It's a great way as well. When you're out, you'll see somebody. You'll be like, hey, you go to faith church. But use it as a prayer reminder. Lord, open my eyes to see. Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week for week two.